Welcome to Life Happens, where Texans come to protect their legacy and prepare for the second half of life. Join your host, Attorney Kim Hegwood with Hegwood Law Group and our weekly guest as we navigate the challenges that emerge as life happens. Now here's your host, Kim Hegwood. Good morning and welcome to Life Happens. Today, our very special guest is Greg Shelley, who's the program manager um, for uh, for Harris County Long-Term Care Ombudsman Program at Sizzik School of Nursing at UT Health. That's a mouthful. <laughs> so, yes, it is. And, uh, and so, um, you know, today we're gonna be talking about um, you know, should, you know, long-term care facilities be required, you know, to have backup generators. Um, and so, you know, and, and I'm sure this had everything to do with the freeze, because I don't know about most people, but I have not been that cold in a very long time, you know, being without, you know, electricity. And so, but before, Greg, before we get started really quick, um, can you tell the listeners what an ombudsman does? You bet. We're literally advocates for the folks who live in nursing homes and assisted living facilities. Uh, we support the residents and their decision-making rights, help educate them about their rights. And if they need our help, uh, we help them exercise their rights. Uh, we provide information to facility staff, to families, and the general public about anything related to long-term care. And uh, of course, ultimately, we identify different complaints and work to resolve them, of course, to the resident's satisfaction. And, on the bigger scale, we advocate within the facility for changes that uh, might bring about good care. And uh, we advocate to state agencies and the legislature and even Congress for things we think might improve care in the nursing homes. And ultimately, we're there to protect the residents' rights. Perfect. And a lot of people don't know what you do. So I wanted to make sure we got that out of the way. And so um, so let's, let's talk about the great freeze of 2021, of all things, you know. So... Um, how were long-term care facilities, you know, in Texas, you know, with the freeze? Because basically, you know, most people were without electricity. I know I was for about three or four days uh, with random turn-ons, you know, maybe for 30 minutes or an hour, you know, a day. For me, it was long enough to make coffee, thank God. <laughs> so, but how was it as far as long-term care facilities? Well, pretty much the things that we experienced, uh, they experienced with the exception of them being on the emergency power grid. So if they had power outages, they probably weren't as long as they were in some of our personal homes. Nonetheless, we had widespread extreme cold and power outages across uh, many of the facilities and some damage to the facilities from ice and bursting pipes. So at the, at the peak of it in February, there was 537 nursing homes and 606 of our assisted living facilities in Texas that reported some kind of problems. And we had 56 assisted livings that had to evacuate and 27 nursing facilities that had to evacuate. And uh, many of those were related to having no power. And I personally learned some things I didn't realize that, that how easy it is, especially for an older person to... Uh, have their body temperature lowered even to just 95 degrees could result in hypothermia. And if the facilities didn't have generators that, and most of them do not have generators that can actually um, power the heating and ventilation systems, um, they weren't able to keep the buildings warm. And then the rest of us, you know, in Houston, we all experienced the uh, boil water issues and 
some of the facilities got really resilient and had call outs to the public and many people were bringing bottled water to the facilities to help them keep from having to evacuate. And, and I think for a lot of folks, they think that, oh, what's the big deal about evacuating? Um, well, for older folks, there's a, a thing called transfer trauma that can result uh, from just the experience and all kinds of things can go wrong as we've learned in previous hurricane seasons. One year we had, we lost 23 nursing home residents who tried to evacuate um, during uh, Hurricane Rita. So. so it's it's my understanding that um, State Representative Ed Thompson out of Pearland is uh, followed the House bill because they're up there creating havoc at the moment <laughs> in Austin. Uh, that to, that it's going to require um, nursing home assisted living facilities to have some type of generator backup supply on site for future weather issues, whether it be cold, another 10 years cold, you know, cold spill, or, you know, just in our area, hurricanes or tornadoes, or, you know, if you're in, depending on what part of Texas you're in, you get a little bit of everything. Um, and so um, how is that um, affecting um, how you're seeing things? Well, uh, we enthusiastically support that uh, bill. There's also a, a very similar Senate bill uh, out there. And uh, we, we kind of got a little bit of a forewarning. And, you know, of course, the cold weather thing was a bit unusual to us, but uh, the upcoming hurricane season is an obvious one to us. And uh, our, I'll call it our sister state in Florida, uh, they've experienced some serious tragedies from facilities losing power in the summer and not being able to keep things uh, as cool as they should and they've lost many lives. As a result, they did pass legislation which requires nursing homes and assisted livings to have backup generators. And here in Texas right now, nursing homes are required to have emergency generators, but not necessarily ones that can power the heating and ventilation uh, part to keep things cool or warm as necessary. So do you find that, I mean, we're now having to have legislation in order to make this happen. Is this not something that a facility would think to be part of what they should have? Yeah, I think some some do and already do it on their own, of course, but that's not many. That's more of the exception. Um, right now in Texas, most nursing homes have a generator and some can use it to heat and cool um, all or a significant part of the building, at least. Most assisted living facilities don't have any kind of uh, uh, generator and they don't have a requirement to do so either. Um, some some of them have invested in generators because they know it's the right thing to do. Uh, but of course, money is a concern. Uh, it's a reasonable concern. And the in industry does say the concern is all about money. But there's options to that. Uh, nursing homes that are on Medicaid um, can have it covered under Medicaid. It's an allowable cost for Medicaid. And uh, some of the assisted livings are providers under Medicaid as well, but a much smaller percentage, about 10% of the assisted living residents are on what's called Star Plus Medicaid. Um, so they might not be able to have all the costs covered for Medicaid like the nursing homes would, but we know that generators can power heating and cooling in emergency and uh, like Florida requires its assisted livings and nursing homes. Um, that'll help avoid evacuations and evacuations very often are uh, part of the big problem and cause more harm than good in some cases. And while sometimes it's the safest move, uh, Generally, transfer trauma can occur and, and they can safely otherwise shelter in place. And we would want that to be possible in the future, especially with this, you know, the hurricane season coming up.
So are you getting pushback from the facilities um, in regards to this bill? A little. It's generally uh, the same issue. They're concerned about who's going to pay for it and, and how do we do that. And I think there's some discussions going on in terms of what compromises can be made um, to make it easier, especially on some of the smaller providers on the assisted living side, um, and to find ways to uh, help them pay for it. Because in the long run, it saves. It's not just a safety issue, but it can actually save money. There's a lot of cost that goes in trying to plan and execute a uh, an evacuation, especially on a large scale, such as this uh, Yuri showed us, not just in our immediate area, like the hurricanes generally are, but all across the state. So what kind of compromises do you normally find? Uh, is there something that you're aware of that facilities and our legislators are, are trying to, you know, to come together to kind of get some compromises? Yeah, I think it's about just exploring all the options for payment. Like with the nursing homes, there's much more options because the vast majority of our nursing homes do have Medicaid coverage and can find ways to get things like that paid for through that. Um, not all the assisted livings, on the other hand, they don't necessarily have that. And um, I certainly understand the concern about money. And I think that's part of the discussions that are going on right now with the authors of both the House and Senate bills, trying to find other resources to either um, assist them with being able to pay for it or uh, help get it paid for outright in the general best interest of those residents. Just out of curiosity, do you have any idea what, what it costs to put that kind of generator in a facility? That's a great I hate, question. I hate I to don't, put on the spot like that. Yeah. I'm curious to, if there was a particular range of, you know, I mean, I, I'm assuming we're, you know, we're talking thousands of dollars, but are we talking hundreds of thousands of dollars? You know, so. yeah, I, I think for the smaller assisted livings and when we're talking about those, those range from just your uh, typical residential home, single family homes. Um, obviously, those can be powered by much smaller generators than a, a full nursing home. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's some other options to it in terms of not, not necessarily needing to uh, power up the entire heating and ventilation system for a very large building just to have one that could actually maybe keep a wing cool enough and they could just move patients, residents, I'm sorry, to the to that hall and be able to take care of them there for the time being. Those kind of compromises instead of, you know, because so many buildings are different, some are very large and some are pretty small. On the other hand, some newer buildings like the Richard A. Anderson, uh, Texas State Veterans Home that was just opened a few years ago on the south side of Harris County. Um, they were built in a very modern way and they have an amazing generator that should be able to help them shelter in place. But uh, I would say that one was probably on the higher end of, of cost. And obviously the bigger the building, the more expensive it is to generate. But specific price tags, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> and so do you think this bill is going to pass? Uh, we wanted to, of course. Uh, right now, both versions are pending in the respective committees. Um, for the House, it's the Human Services Committee, and in the Senate, it's Health and Human Services. Um, and we really need one to be voted out favorably in order to be able to move forward for a full vote by either of the chambers. And that's what we're rooting for. Um, Prediction-wise, I have no idea um, uh, you know, what the outcome is, but we're excited that it's made it this far, and there's been a lot of bipartisan discussion about it. So if there's um, someone that, um, you know, is, is a little more uh, 
wants it a little more than most, they should contact their congressman, right, and encourage them to, you know, to help move that forward? Absolutely. I think a lot of the public uh, information was provided earlier in testimony and, and the state ombudsman, Patty Bukaye, provided in-person testimony to the legislature at the time. And um, I think they've heard the general public pretty well, but it never hurts to, uh, uh, you know, fill the ear of your local representatives to uh, encourage them to do what you would like to, to have done. Yeah, definitely. And so, and um, most definitely. And so, well, I appreciate Greg, you coming on today um, to, uh, to kind of give us an update on that. Cause I think that's really important. Uh, the freeze kind of put, knocked everybody through a loop. Uh, Cause I'll be honest with you. I don't remember the one 10 years ago. <laughs> and so uh, I'm like, I know I couldn't have lost that much electricity. Cause I would think that would have, I would have remembered that, but um, you know, so it's like, I'm, I'm hoping it's another 10, 20 years for, I have to worry about that sort of thing again. And, um, but um, I definitely wanted to thank you for coming on the show and, and, and sharing your, your information, because I think this is good for families. We have a lot of our families that are coming in, you know, trying to figure out placement and, you know, the best place in, and, and now that, you know, we give them, you know, we can give them another option. You may want to check to find out, do they have a generator? What's the plan if they have no electricity or, you know, God forbid, you know, a hurricane hits. And so, so that's really good. Um, Cause I hadn't, in spite of the cold, I hadn't really thought about that being a factor in determining, you know, facilities, but I think that could be very well a big factor, you know, moving forward for families. So. That's great. That's one of the things that we do as well. Uh, it's a really good idea when folks are looking for a place to go get care at, whether it's assisted living or nursing homes. Um, every county in the country has an ombudsman assigned, and uh, it never hurts to reach out to them because very often they know uh, uh, from personal visits what's going on in a facility at any time. And while because of the number of facilities, we might not, not know those questions, uh, the answers to those questions exactly, we can certainly get them for folks, uh, including what's the emergency preparedness plans of facilities and whether or not they have generators. Definitely. And um, thank you so much, Greg, for coming on today and, um, and, and giving us some good information and I uh, look forward to having you on again. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Life Happens with Kim Hegwood. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. wherever you listen to your podcast as we navigate through the challenges that emerge as life happens. The content of this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship or constitute attorney-client privilege, legal, medical, financial, or any other professional advice.